1: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. This is the ebb and flow edition of the weekly podcast. How are you doing, Dan?
0: Ebb and flow, yeah i I need to change the intro music to like some edm or
1: something (laughs) in the in the exit interviews which we're going to talk about later like i think half of the people talked about the ebb and flow of the season so i thought we should have the ebb and flow edition of the podcast
0: do you want to be ebb or or do you want to be flow oh i'm definitely not flowing right now (laughs) okay i'm all about the ebb
1: you're Eb and I'm Flo, and we're ebbing and flowing through this edition of the Blazers Edge podcast. Kind Just of like, like Flo we all. From, from Progressive. Flo'd. I am so not like Flo from Progressive, Dan. <laughs> uh... I am disappointed that after having done this together for a season, that is who you're going <laughs> to compare me to.
0: Eb and Flo sound like a actually... really bad buddy cop movie. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a long off season, apparently. So, we can really
0: explore this. Ev is the wild, loud mouth. Flow, yeah, and I should be the free spirited.
1: Yeah, and I'm the free spirited. Um, you know, the free spirited one who you know just wants to have a a good time, and you know, you're all by the book. Are
0: are you, Danny Glover, here? Are you getting too old for this?
1: No, that's your role. We, <laughs> oh, got, we right, definitely right, right. need to workshop up this more before we go into it. But let's go ahead and face what we need to face, which is the fact that the Portland Trailblazers season is over. Dun, 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 dun. They were unceremoniously swept in the first round of the Unceremoniously?
0: I don't know. That was a pretty ceremonial butt-kicking. <laughs>
1: In any case, it was not good. It was a very uh, quick four games, and I have to confess, I so I was at the uh, the party that a friend of the show, Neela Madison, uh, from uh, also on Twitter, she hosted a party, and so I went with all these uh, energetic young people to watch this game, and I just kept thinking, no matter what happens, it's all going to be over by five.
0: <laughs> you know, you know what I know, notice here? There's a trend. You were what's that? You were a participant in a party or a game in all but mm-hmm. one of these, uh, so I can't blame you totally for all the losses because you were in no. you were in mid-flight for game one.
1: Right. Oh, you mean because I wasn't? You know, I, I wasn't like in my regular spot, mm-hmm. attending to the game like I should have been. Yep. Yeah, I don't I I kind of think the problem is bigger than me. I would like to think <sighs> that I have that kind of an influence on the team, but I kind of don't think that I do.
0: You would love to have that influence, wouldn't you?
1: I I would just have to like to have a tiny little bit of influence on anything, really. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about I don't want to talk about all of the games cuz that could just be kind of just no, um, a bad. No. neither sad do
0: why? Cuz I had to do the post game for all of them and that was miserable. <laughs>
1: And you handled it admirably. The ones that I watched, you handled handled admirably. Tara, I played
0: crickets. I played crickets over the top of the Blazers' non-existent highlights. Like, I don't want to relive those games any more than I have to. Well, I want to
1: talk about Game 4, because really all I wanted going to Game 4 is I just wanted some signs of life because i just really felt like they did they didn't look like they were enjoying themselves it looked like they'd forgotten completely why they were playing basketball by the end of game three i i couldn't even imagine that these guys had devoted a huge portion of their life to the game of basketball because they just looked so defeated so for game four i just wanted to see them go out there and try and play hard and show a little bit of you know why they had, like I said, devoted their life to playing this game, and I felt like that game more than any of them, they had, like, you know, they at least they were scoring, at least they had their offense
0: back. All I can right? think right now is like Tara Bowen Biggs, she just wants people to be good at what they dedicate their life to, and they weren't. <laughs>
1: Wait, how is me wanting people to be good at what they dedicate their life to any different than your whole
0: excellence thing? No, oh, no, I mean, it's just, I don't know. From, from that you, was it weak, Dan. Just, it just that sounds was... so much more sour coming from you. For me, they expect it from you. That's that's like infinite shade. <laughs>
1: oh i got i I got lots of lots of degrees of shade that I could throw. we're going to yeah. talk about more about shade being thrown later, oh yeah, what did you think about the last game? Did you think the last game showed any more heart than the other three games of no. the series did?
0: No, not uh, at all. The score was closer, but I mean the one theme that was just so prevalent the entire series was the pelicans any time there was momentum, had a momentum breaking basket, and it wasn't like. This beautiful brand of basketball where they're swinging it left, right, side to side, up, down, kicking it out and finding the open shooter at the end of the shot clock to hit a massive shot. It was pushing pace ever so slightly, make or miss, driving the lane and either beating their defender one on one with little to no resistance or getting eh, a little bit of resistance and making one pass for a dunk layup or a three. Rinse, Repeat. I can't count. No, actually, I could, and I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead Don't. and... No, I am. Let's this is, not relive this is, this is it right part now. Of one of the... No, no, I haven't done it yet. This is part of one of my pieces that I'm writing up when I get back to writing again for the summer. Um, the amount of plays the Pelicans had where they utilized one or less passes to score. And I have a feeling that it's going to be really high.
1: So that's, that's interesting because we've talked on this podcast before about the trailblazers, low number of assists. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember how much we actually went into whether or not low number of assists meant low numbers of passes.
0: No, it's not. There's no correlation. Eric Griffith has, has done, has charted this numerous times now. And there's no direct correlation between number of passes and assists in generating shots. the, the difference that I said, at least between Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo and Damon C.J. is Damon C.J. pass to a player. Drew, and especially Rondo, pass a player open. Like Wait, what, r-
1: what do you mean pass a player open?
0: With Rondo in particular, when Rondo hits a guy, it's a lob at the rim or a behind-the-back bounce pass uh, on the baseline when he's drawn two defenders. And all the, the, the guy has to do is catch it and dunk. Or catch it and shoot, and it's always in the perfect spot. You mean the right they,
1: he, they, he throws, he passes it to space that someone's running into, as opposed to passing it to their hands. Yeah, is that what you
0: mean? Yeah, that, that's part okay. of it. So pass they they pass it to space. Not, not only that, but like when when they do kick it out, it's right in the pocket. Steve Nash was was famous for this. I don't, I don't want to say famous for this, famous among in the NBA circles. When a new player would come to the Suns he would bring the said player aside and ask him where he really wanted the ball. Is it to the left? Is it to the right? Is it to the middle? Is it down a little lower? Is it up a little higher? Where is the best place for me to put the ball for you to have the most likely chance to succeed? And Rondo, whether you hate him, love him, or ambivalent to him, it, he's the same way. He puts the ball in that position, time after time after time. And for Anthony Davis, it's a very big window to put that ball in, as we all saw. I mean, he had alley-oop dunk after alley-oop dunk after alley-oop dunk that I never thought was possible. Like where he, where Rondo was putting the ball and where Anthony Davis was going and getting it. And that's a testament to Rondo's passing ability, but just the lethal weapon that Anthony Davis is and was in the series.
1: Wait, so, so, you're saying that Dame and CJ do not pass the ball in that same way
0: no they don't and that's not it's not a, a shot at them it's just it's a different level of playmaking and I also think that that's partly due to the personnel how many guys on this Portland team are going to go get a lob for you how many guys are cutting back door regularly and able well, to we had to, Mo
1: back for a game two games how yeah. many games did Mo play just one game right
0: I mean he played a uh, two games. Game one and two. He played two. Should we, uh, game two and three. Two and three. Yeah. Um, right. And you saw a little bit of that. But most' of the closest thing they have to that. I mean, I was watching mm-hmm. the, the Wizards uh, Raptors series today, and I saw John Wall throw a lob to Bradley Beal. It was beautiful. You're not going to see Dame throwing lobs to CJ down the middle in traffic. It's just not their game. So are
1: you, are you saying my dream of lobs and alley-oops is, is just going to die a quiet death here with this lineup?
0: As this team is currently constructed, yes, the, the the closest thing they have to that right now is probably Zach Collins.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Zach is more perimeter oriented right now than anything else.
1: All right, well, I'll I'll pin a little bit of I'll pin a little bit of hope on that young one. He's young; he can learn how to do he can do all that stuff. What What would you say, Dan, to people who think that it was Damian Lillard who just flamed out in this series?
0: Okay, they were going to take this one kind of piece by piece, because this one could, literally was driving me batty uh, at the end of Game 4. I saw how many people... There was people saying that Damian Lillard didn't have any heart, didn't make any adjustments, um, couldn't beat Drew Holiday one-on-one, couldn't beat him off the bounce, couldn't beat him off the dribble, couldn't do this, that, or the other, and it's just so unequivocally wrong. I, it's, it's hard for me to fathom that take. I get people are frustrated. I get people are irritated. I get the result was ugly, And the way Portland looked and performed and the product that was on the court was just heinous. So what was happening then? Damian Lillard was getting double covered on almost every single possession. And the two guys that were doing most of the coverage are potential first-team all-defense guys in Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. That alone is more attention and coverage than almost any player in the NBA will receive. I heard somebody say, or somebody responded to something I said about, about this, this exact same issue. Do you think Steph Curry would react to that? He beats traps all the time. There's one thing to beat a trap. There's another thing to beat a trap and then beat the third guy and then beat the fourth guy. And that's what the Pelicans were doing. They, there were four guys almost at all times. Alvin Gentry is, is almost famous, notorious for this. And we talked about it going into the playoffs. What did I say about Alvin Gentry? He's a giant troll who, want, who will find something that works and dig at it and dig at it and dig at it until you find a way around it. If anything, he'll double down on it. It's what he did to LaMarcus Aldridge. You don't know how to handle a double team from the backside, from the baseline, from the three-point line, digging down? Guess what? I'm going to do it all series long unless you find a counter for it. The Blazers tried to find a counter for Damian Lillard. It was the role players taking and making shots. Al-Farouk Aminu had probably the best series of anybody, and the Pelicans just didn't care. They they were perfectly okay with Al-Farouk Aminu beating them because Al-Farouk Aminu is taking shots and making shots, and that's kind of how it goes.
1: Right. I, You know how I feel about Al-Farouk. And watching that game four as he... Scored 27 points, had six rebounds. He was 11 of 20 from the field, five of 11 from three. I was watching it, and he I kept out. saying to whoever was, whoever was standing next to me, I kept saying, "Is this because they're leaving him completely alone, or is this because he's having a really good game?" And I was hoping that it's a little bit of both because they're they were they were throwing nominal. Pressure at him, but he wasn't even just doing threes. He was like going inside more than he had the pump I've seen fake him and drive do a dunk lot
0: on the baseline in game four. That was a thing of beauty. He also had some uh, what I call the uh, create your own adventure books of dribbling um in the open. Embrace court. the chaos, Dan. Oh, God, Embrace it the chaos. scared the crap out of me a couple times. It was one of those things where you're just like, please God, no, 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 don't do that. But I mean, those, I don't know no why you haven't just
1: embraced me. that.
0: They were far and few between. Aminu was probably the best player in the series. And yes, CJ had a breakout game in game four. Um, Obviously, 38 points and 22 shots is a good night. But Aminu... Aminu
1: scored... He scored seven points in game one, 14 points in game two, 21 points in game three, and 27 in game four. So obviously, the plan was let Al Farouk Aminu beat us. And to his credit, he did his... (laughs) Best. <laughs> yeah, and he was drawing a
0: defensive assignment that was either uh, Anthony Davis or Drew Holiday. He, yeah. dude didn't get a possession yeah, off. He doing it all while
1: trying to de- while trying to defend those two, you mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, he, he did not get a single possession off. That, that's just, mm-hmm. he, he didn't have any opportunity to do anything at all other than that. And for him to be as successful as he was, that was if you're looking for a lone bright spot, that was the one that I pulled out of this. It was Well,
1: if you would like, I welcome you to join the Al Farouq Aminu Appreciation Society. I will always be the queen, but if you would like to become a member, I would welcome you. Does because a pre- I think all Does the president have year, more power
0: than a queen? I'm not sure how the monarchy. Versus there is the republic no president.
1: War. There's, there's just, oh, okay. there's just me. So and
0: I really want somebody else to join me
1: because I think he deserves more credit. Okay, I have two more questions about the series. Uh, second to last questions. So in this series overall, you you talked about some of the people, you know, we talked about people blaming Damian Lillard for it or whatever. Crazy. There's a lot of blame being thrown around about this. How do you think the blame should be divvied up between the matchup, the coaching or the players' performance themselves? Because I know you're going to say the answer is a little bit of everything, probably. It is. So how how would you divide it up between those two? So that's the matchup, the coaching, and the players. How would you divide up the blame?
0: I put it mostly on the players. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches don't have any impact on taking and making shots or playing defense. There were times where the defensive effort was so bad, I thought we were watching a team from December. Like, they, they just, they were...
1: You mean last December? Because yeah. this December, they're, they're, it wasn't yeah. as bad as it's they're, been.
0: They're undefeated in this December.
1: No, you know what I mean.
0: 20, 2018. <laughs> From the previous season. But, I mean, they, they were just, they were bad. They were bad in, in so, so many ways defensively. Like I said, the the one pass and, and open shots were just so regular. It, it was... It was bad. So
1: Damien gets a pass, but all the rest of them No, da- were...
0: da- Dame gets some Because you just said big... that
1: Damien, it wasn't Damien because he was being triple teamed.
0: No, I think he, here's the deal. I, I don't think he gets as a heavy burden of the blame uh, because he was facing so much pressure. But I think he did make some bad choices when he did recognize the pressure was coming and what he was going to do with the ball then. I think he held on to it sometimes for too long. I think he tried to force some shots to try to make something happen at that point. Um, just out of desperation because he is the guy, but, uh, yeah, CJ.
1: So matching and coach and, and, uh, coaching are your other choices. So like, do you think it was 50% the players, 25% each of the other two? That's probably is it 10% coaching.
0: I I really don't put a I'm gonna make lot you do on math. Dan. No, I know I you I'm, just had, I'm, a... I'm there. i I'm, I, really, I don't put a lot on Stotts. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think he had these guys ready to go as far as game plan-wise. Uh, it just, just feels like over
1: four games, they could have figured some part of it out. How, how do you, <laughs> you figure know? out
0: Anthony Davis?
1: I don't know, but like I, That's I, the thing. I like, guess we'll see what happens in the other series. And listen,
0: even if the Warriors trounce the Pelicans... The Warriors can trounce anyone if they're if they get st- if they get Steph back, like that. Mm-hmm. That's not a barometer. That's not a measuring stick for me. They, they will well, beat I'd the be, brakes off everybody. I'd be of everybody. to see
1: how they do it.
0: Here, here's the thing, and this kind of goes back to the idea of like what happens if you double team or triple team Steph Curry. Well, here's if the Warriors throw a bunch of bodies. They still have
1: Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant <laughs> and
0: Clay Thompson and uh, Iguodala and Livingston. And, I mean, Draymond. Green. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have this just running tally of talent that can make plays. And now the Pelicans may be on the other side of that in this next series where they, I don't think you're going to see Kevin Durant on AD for long stretches. I think it'll be more dream on, uh, and that'll be a heck of a test for him because he's given up a lot of size height wise, but length wise, he makes it up with his wingspan and his defensive instincts. But Anthony Davis is a problem for everybody in the league. And here's Mm -hmm. the here's the flip side of that. The Warriors also have Clay Thompson if they want to put on uh, Drew Holiday. They've Mm -hmm. got they've got a six foot eight guy who's a great defender. Yeah, and then they can throw Sean Livingston on him, and then they can throw Iguodala on him. Yeah, they've got three six foot eight guys that can throw at Drew Holiday, where he can't just bully those guys around. Um, Rondo, I think you know, I think Steph gets a lot of stick for. Uh, subpar defensive play, but I don't think Rondo's going to dice them up the same way that they did Portland. I mean, that's just that's the roster itself. And really, I think that's more indicative than the coaching is the roster itself. Now, the matchup Uh is a problem because this is something you and I have talked about a million times. The Pelicans have one thing the Blazers can't counter, size, length, and athleticism. AD is is the freakest of freaks. He's right up there with Giannis as far as the most physically gifted players in the league. He's seven foot tall and he plays like a guard. He's inside, he's outside, he's long, he's athletic, he's mobile. Um, his verticality is through the roof. His timing and his instincts are supernatural. And then you've got Drew Holiday, who's 6'5 and got a seven-foot wingspan. He's a tenacious defender. I think people have slept on both Drew and AD for a while now, for, for both for kind of the same reasons, with AD, he well, because had,
1: they haven't done anything up until this
0: year. Not just that, but it, it's because of, uh, I think, outlying circumstances like injury in AD's case, or family and injury in Drew Holiday's uh, case. I mean, Drew mm-hmm. Holiday, it, it's like it's not like he just became a an all world defensive player. He's been that guy. But he's been so injured. the timing
1: has been off for that pair. Yeah. And now they're they've just they've come together and they've had the whole year to get it right this time. Exactly. And now, now now they're ready. Does it make you more likely to root for them because they beat the Trailblazers?
0: No, I want a Utah, Indiana series. So the NBA loses. <laughs> <laughs> like I want the worst rating possible now. Also, like. So no, I can, it's
1: because you want to watch Donovan Mitchell and Victor Oladipo. This is very true. Gonna, we're not going to talk about Donovan Mitchell. So Too we're gonna late. I'm going to move on to my last question about this series. Is there anything. Actually, I'm going to tell you first what I think they can build on from this. And then if you have anything to well, add, can, I invite you, can, you to add. I mean, it. you
0: can build on top of Ash, Tara. I mean, you, you I slash and burn you the fields can. for a reason.
1: Okay, hush. I already (laughs) talked about Aminu. I already talked about how when the plan was that everybody else has to beat us, Aminu totally stepped up and did everything that he could. I think Ed was, for the most part, solid. And there were moments where Nurk played up to his potential. I still don't think we've seen anywhere near his ceiling, but we we saw more. We saw a little bit more fight out of him in Game 4. But what I really loved out of Game 4 is I loved when Collins shoved Rondo. Oh that was God. the best. I loved that. I mean, how annoying of Rondo to go and smack the ball out of Collins's hand. And, like, you know, we don't want somebody who's just going to sit back there and take it, do we, Dan? <laughs> No, Come on!
0: but it that was, was fun. The foul before that was so stupid by Collins. It was just like, "What are you doing, dude?" God. And that's not just me. That like pretty much everybody that was watching that game had the same reaction on Twitter at the same time. Like the whole Rondo thing, nobody I think really anybody had an issue with. But the I, of what came before it and that foul and giving uh, the Pelicans two free throws was like 0.7 on the clock in that position was just such a. Boneheaded move, but yeah, it was nice. Well, it was nice liked to him see some. Shoving
1: from Rondo him. because I loved Rondo having to look, all, like, arch his neck back as far as he could to look up as far as he could just to see Zach Collins because Zach Collins was towering over him. Rondo's crazy though. Rondo maybe saw a little bit of his mortality
0: in there. I I actually. Just... I don't. You I know don't what I thought? That. This is what I think happened.
1: You know the famous story about Rondo being at the Boys and Girls Club and all the kids coming up and playing Connect Four and him like destroying them. And then one kid came up and won. And then Rondo made him play him again and he beat him five times in a row. I think Collins was one of those kids in the Boys and Girls Club that day. And this was him like just coming and being like, not today, Rondo. Not today. Yeah. That's what I think happened. Rondo's the kind of guy who... like. I think works. I have a lot more fun watching games than you do, Dan. No. <laughs> I, I, have
0: a, I, I have a very rich fantasy life in these games. I just... I, I look at Collins and it's just... I, I suppose that Casey Holdall it like... Collins is the kind of guy when he snaps... You, like, you can see the whites of his eyes. And I'm like, yes. I'm sure Zach Collins strikes the fear of God in people all across the NBA landscape. No nobody's afraid of the 19 20-year-old kid from it's like he's from Las Vegas. I'm like he went to Bishop Gorman. Like he went to like one of the most elite private schools in the country and then went to Gonzaga. That is not a tough guy. you want to talk about tough guys? Okay. But no, no, we're we're going to no, stop there no, and gonna, move we're, on. We're going to talk about tough guys real quick.
1: No, I didn't guys? say I wanted to talk about tough Andre, guys.
0: I wanted to talk about... No, no. I wanted to talk Andre about a Miller moment that I liked out of Game a 4 guy. and
1: out of this thing. Andre Miller okay, is a tough gonna guy. you're not going to try to throw Andre Miller at me to try and knock down Zach Collins a notch. That does not... That is not happening. I it's see it, what you're trying no, to do. No, it's not you're believable. You're going to all distracted by it's not Andre believable. Miller. It's not Because you know I love Andre Miller. Who doesn't? If you so know, like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, you know, fifty-two-year-old Andre Miller was tougher than you know, eighteen-year-old Zach Collins. Yes, he was. Dan, hmm.
0: I just... There, so, did you get what you wanted? No. I, listen, I like I said, I like the fact that Collins showed some fighting him. But like everybody was like, oh yeah, Zach will get him. I'm just like, eh. I just Rondo's the kind of guy who's legit crazy. He's the kind of kind of guy that, like waits for you in the alley after the game. Right, I, and like, Collins
1: wasn't afraid of him. <sighs>
0: I wasn't afraid or wasn't yes, aware. Tara,
1: you're right. Let's move on. Yeah. No. Okay. So speaking <laughs> of going away today was the blazers exit interviews. They wasted absolutely no time. In getting to, Would they you? Were, What did they start by 10 o'clock the day after? I mean, they had to fly back home.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> did, they, did, did they just dip out of new Orleans? Like instantly just like walk on the bus in uniform. Yeah, I think so. I think they just want... Like a high school right team, you area. don't even go to the showers, you just walk through the bus for for that really long away game. You're like, I just want to get home.
1: I was just so grateful that it was over so early. I was so happy. I was just like, oh, I got the whole night ahead of me to just do a million other things and just get this out of my mind. But So they did have the exit interviews today. They uh, I watched most of them. I actually didn't watch all of them. Um, but a couple things stood out for me and I'm wondering if you noticed any of these I thought so starting with uh Wade Baldwin I watched his he talked about you know how the the year hit a rough start for him Been a and wild ride he was, for Wade yeah and he was just glad that he made the floor and he was glad that you know he wasn't sure if he's gonna get two minutes or 20 minutes and he was glad that he made it one of the things I thought was really interesting is he seemed really nervous in that interview um and maybe it's just because he hasn't been around the team as much, and he probably has barely even spoken to most of the reporters there. Um, but, you know, I think I watched his right after I watched Zach Collins. And for a 19-year-old, I thought he grew a lot in his ability to, you know, give at least somewhat interesting interview, basically, when everybody's saying thought, exactly the same thing. I thought Zach was really I thought he
0: good, did a good job. to be honest.
1: Yeah. And I Oh, go ahead. Continue.
0: Um. Sean Eiken asked him about whether or not he thought he he, or he wanted to to prep to be the starter next year. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great question from Sean. But also, Zach gave a great answer and didn't necessarily, quote unquote, take the bait. Mm -hmm. He gave a very professional answer, like, I'm just going to work on my game. What happens, happens. Yeah, he
1: said, I'm not sure what my role is next year. I'm just mm going to work on my game.
0: And he wasn't phased by it. He wasn't shocked by it. Nothing really caught him off guard with it. And that that part of it was pretty impressive because you don't expect the young fellow to have the right answer. Like, not just Zach, but just kind of rookies in general. But he, he played mm-hmm. that off like a pro. I, I, I was actually really impressed with that.
1: Nice. So, and the world that just didn't, well, open up and swallow you. Um, Shabazz, I thought, <laughs> had, his was tough to watch. Because... Um, it felt like the end of the year was pretty disappointing to him because he lost minutes to, to Wade Baldwin. And I thought his uh, answer was the best when they asked him, you know, how he felt. And he said, uh, unaccomplished. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that, that is a perfect one word answer for the looks on everybody's faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He just kind of looked haunted to me. I don't know. I, w- I was projecting a lot of emotions onto these guys. So no. I, I'm sure <laughs> I know shocking, isn't it? Um, but, you know, so Pat Connaughton, he was super peppy and upbeat. Um, did you remember anything that he said?
0: Um, Pat was kind of canned answers for the most part. Uh, he was good, he did make a little joke about uh, continuing to play basketball. Um, however, there's a, there could be a professional baseball team coming to Portland. Portland so. might be
1: getting a team. <laughs>
0: um, other than yeah. that, Pat just was, kind of went through the motions, kind of what you'd expect. Yeah.
1: Well, he was he was very chipper, and not everybody was chipper. I did I watched him in just kind of like a random order, and um, yeah, I think I watched him in between Shabazz and Myers, and so his stood out as as pretty peppy. But I also thought it was interesting. You know, Shabazz was the only one who played every game, or not Shabazz. Uh, Pat Connaughton was the only player who played every game this year. Well, I thought that was interesting. That's a little surprising. Yes, yeah, CJ yeah had CJ played, only played 81. eighty-one.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So Pat, Pat Pat was the Iron Man this year. Hmm. Myers is that was tough, man. It's it's so it's so hard to watch him talk because he he is so careful about speaking carefully, not setting himself up for anything, walking the party line, not upsetting anyone. But you could tell he just has real, things he really wants to say, mm-hmm. um, you know. And he talked about like considering how much i played you know i think i did well with the minutes that i got with the opportunities that i did have and you know like all the underlying thing was but i hardly got to get in there at all <laughs> it was i don't know but what did you i know as someone who's as fond of myers as you are did you take anything from his exit interview
0: um not necessarily from myers but from his teammates it seemed like all of his teammates wanted to point out the fact that like, even though he didn't get on the court, he mattered to them. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I want to say almost every interview I listened to, they mentioned him. And it was always like, and even Myers, because they know how he's perceived. Mm-hmm. And they, they all wanted to kind of shout him out. So I, th- I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Myers is, is unequivocally the best interview in Portland. Like, everybody will say Evan Turner, but that's for entertainment. Like, for in-depth, deep answers that Myers will go out of his way to to address for you. He's the best, and it was kind of the, the same from him.
1: I actually thought Evan Turner had one of the most um, direct. Um,
0: when Stotts basically it... told him not to get fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was funny. Um,
1: let's see. Let me find find it because I. It was uh, it was well said, and I don't want to say it wrong. Um, it was not that, but the I, I didn't even I didn't remember that he came in to camp um, overweight, but apparently he did last year. Um, you know, uh, Z- uh, Turner was talking about I think um, you know ways to improve the team because everybody wanted to know what the players thought about ways to improve the team, and I'm just about there calling it up right now. What's the team missing? He said, I think in certain standpoints, we have to be more consistent. He said, One, um, I think one thing that may help as well, and there's no jabs or anything at anybody, but building an identity outside of our two strong scorers. You know, they're terrific offensively. Sometimes in our darker days and in our darker moments, we sometimes go downhill when a team fully focuses a lot of attention on our stars.
0: Well, be better, Evan.
1: <laughs> well... I mean, I, mean, I, I think hate, hate to be a jerk, but that's,
0: himself. but I mean, it's not just him. It's the, there's a reason why the, the offense is built around Dave and CJ. Yeah. Like nobody else is consistent. I mean, do mm-hmm. we, do we have to go back and look at Evan Turner's performance in game two?
1: Well, I don't think it's just Evan Turner. No, no
0: I mean, I all, think... but I mean, or game three, I think it was. Um, but the consistency, the reason why Damon CJ are, are relied upon so much is because they're consistent. If the, if there were guys that were more consistent, I think the and with Stotts, it's looked around as the league as an equal opportunity offense. I mean, the opportunity's there; it's up to them to take it. And if they can't capitalize on it, like, are you supposed to game plan for more Evan Turner uh, mid post post ups?
1: You know, I didn't I didn't take it the same way you did. I don't know, quite understand why you. Um how, how it sounds how this a lot like into...
0: No no it sounds a lot like, like Harkless in December.
1: I think he's talking about the whole team needs to have an identity like we need we need to be more than Dame and CJ. And I think that could mean you know, different players or the same players playing better. I don't know. Everybody else didn't have an answer. When I'm saying it was what I'm saying <laughs> where they were talking about what's wrong with the team, CJ was just like, "I don't know what's missing." Like, really? That's.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you know, Evan Turner's answer is the same answer that people have been saying for the last couple of years. Damon, yeah, CJ but the one helped. who
1: said it in the interviews?
0: Okay, I mean, I mean again, like I, I like ET as a dude, but part of the reason that Portland struggles is because of his limitations, and because of Harkless's limitations, and because of Aminu's limitations. And because of Damon CJ's defensive liability. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, (laughs) I don't disagree with
1: any of that. I'm just saying he's the one who called it out today in the exit interviews.
0: No, no. I, I mean, and bravo to him for doing it. But I think that's kind of a look in the mirror situation. Like if you're looking at the, the, the Warriors, or if you're looking at the Rockets, do you think they're looking at their team right now and wondering what's their identity? Do you think the role players are doing that? No, they're talking about their star players. And, and their identity is built around all the things that they can do. mean, it's great that Evan called it out, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: he's the one who said it. So I just, I was just glad that somebody said it. My other favorite quote, and then I want to know what your favorite parts or what the things that stood out to you most about the exit interviews were, um, Uh, ed davis the reporters really in my opinion address ed davis as a sage like he's the wise man Mm -hmm. and i know that's kind of like his role on the team is that a lot of people go to him for information you know deeper information more background they trust what he's going to say they know he's going to give him a thoughtful answer um and he had a lot to say about why he wanted to stay in portland um but then they asked him like, started asking him GM questions. They were like, if you were the GM, and he was like, I'm not the GM, and I'm don't. i not getting paid to answer that kind of question. Um, And so they were like, but if you were, what would you do about Nurkic or whatever? And he said, right now, I'm trying to focus on the Davis household. He was like, I'm not looking at somebody else's household. I'm trying to focus on the Davis household. And I thought that was a great answer. He's like, I I got
0: twins, man. I ain't got time for this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I'm focusing on the Davis household. I thought that was a great answer. That's going to be my... When I'm busy and people are trying to bug me these days, I'm gonna be like, I'm focusing on the Davis household. Only I'm not really focusing on his household because that would be creepy. I'm focusing on my own household. I just liked his answer.
0: You're, you're not, So what about you're, the exit, you can't interviews out far exit interviews stood out for you?
1: What about the exit interviews stood out for you?
0: Among the players, the <laughs> the one weird one. I don't know if this is even weird. Different. Um, CJ McCollum was talking about how he's the team itself over the last couple of years has tested for food allergies and food sensitivities and I'm sure that's to help them with their diet but CJ said he's going to talk to his agent um, and he's got a doctor he wants him to meet with I think in LA that uh, is going to run a different set of uh, a different series of tests on him to help him with it and as we were talking about before the show you noticed or it appears that CJ's dealing with some allergies Um, it's no secret that Oregon is home to some of the the worst uh, allergy seasons in the country. Um, and if he can find a way to better manage that through food or diet or lifestyle, whatever it is, um, it's probably a, a, a good thing to do. He also mentioned that he normally doesn't start his diet until later in the summer um, for the season, but this year he's probably going to try to focus it down a little bit more and start a little bit sooner. Um is not the kind of guy I think of as like that really needs strong You know, body maintenance, he's the kind of guy that takes good care of himself, clearly. Um, He's led the league or been, you know, near the top of the league in distance traveled. Every single year Mm -hmm. he's been a starter. Um, Yeah. That is a random crazy stat. Um, For the last five years or every year that the distance travel metric has been tracked by Synergy, uh, a Blazer has led in that category.
1: Really? Yes. So who, who else besides CJ? Nick Batum. Oh, so
0: yep. Uh, The is interesting. Always have one guy is basically a marathon runner, just constantly on the move.
1: Well, you know, it makes it makes sense maybe for CJ to start. uh, I mean, because last year was really the year that uh, Damien started, you know, paying really close attention to his diet. Maybe that's just what happens when you turn 26, right? You just like, that's what you do. (laughs) you say, okay, I did all these other things to make myself better. Now I'm going to try to work on these things. But I I mean, I've noticed him for a couple of years now and he's brought it up in other interviews before, like about having allergies and like, you know, I was noticing, in this interview and in interviews uh, in earlier part of this playoff series, you know, him rubbing his eyes and touching his eyes and rubbing his nose like his nose is running. And I just got to thinking, like, if he's got allergies, it would just, like, just be one more – it would just be a pain if you're trying to be peak performer and, you know, you just can't shake this. Um, And I just know they're – like you said, it's a rough part of the country – for that. So maybe he'll discover some stuff that will help him out and maybe help him feel stronger for more of the season next year and more make a difference in that you. way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least not getting so tired with his running, but the players weren't the only people who talked today. Uh, oh we boy. heard from Neil Olshay and briefly, very briefly from Terry Sots, who sat next to Olshay for the entire 26 minutes and only answered. He had two quick questions. Um, but yeah, so Olshay Olshay said some stuff. Um, I'll start with what I had issue with because he threw some shade at Alpha Rukamino and that is not okay with me, as the as the queen of the Alpha Rukamino Appreciation Society. He was talking. Olshay was talking about how um, you know. Teams improve in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's players stepping up. And he said, who would have thought that Al Camino would be shooting near 40% from the three for most of the thing? And I thought, why are you saying that about Al Rucamino? First of all, I thought that he would shoot near. I'm not surprised that he shot near 40%. And also, isn't Olshay the person who drafted him and then signed him? And then signed him from like, like, another team. <laughs> why is he out
0: there saying this about why is uh, he picking on rook I don't
1: I don't understand. Uh, to, that was completely to me, baffling to me.
0: Um, Olshe got really defensive about basically every move he's ever made. Um <laughs> seriously, and like every move that he's because every person that's on Portland's roster right now is tied to Olshe. Up and down. Mm-hmm. There's not a single player here that does not have Olshe's hand on it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty remarkable when you think about it. So he's entirely responsible for the roster construction, which means Mm -hmm. he's entirely responsible for the product that's put on the floor night in and night out. And after getting swept and in the manner that they did, that's basically like going into, I don't know, this is probably a bad analogy, but like going into the Olympics as a medal contender and not even finishing your event, like not even qualifying for the final.
1: Like not even making it qualifying in the pre in the heats. Yeah.
0: I mean, that, I mean, that's the closest analogy that I can come up with. Like, how are you going to like, if all the pomp and circumstances built up around you and what you're going to do, and then you fall out of the blocks, like, how, how are you going to react? You're, you're, are you, are you just going to just be like, no, I, I, we screwed up. No, you, your natural, I think human instinct is to get defensive. And mm-hmm. uh, that was the theme of the entire press conference. Every time somebody called him on something, it was like, well, come on. No, no, no. That's not that's not how it is. And it, it, there were a couple exchanges he had with Joe Freeman where I Joe asked a fair question. His actual response was, come on, Joe. Like, how dare you? Right, ask?" And it that was just
1: me? Joe that he kept calling by name, to, which <laughs> yeah, I thought was strange,
0: which is. <laughs> that's a whole nother subject but yeah the the entirety of the of the interview was really uneasy um obviously part of that, i think was having um stots there mm-hmm. um and the other well the i want i want to get up to this one because this one like it's almost it's not directed at me personally but it felt like it was but they asked him about the possible need for sweeping changes. And he said nobody was talking about making sweep, sweeping changes 10 days ago. <laughs> and I wanted to like, put my face hasn't through a been wall. been
1: talking about sweeping changes? I, like,
0: I, I put it on Twitter. I'm like, I was asking for sweeping changes 10 days ago. But I was also asking for them three years ago. But whatever. You know, uh-huh. no big deal. Like, it's th- such a disingenuous and just intellectually dishonest statement that it was physically painful to hear come out of his mouth. Like, you know, that's not yeah. true, but I, I get that. It's his job to defend the, 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 roster construction, to build the team, to build the brand, to identify, you know, what this team needs and and, and to sell this team going forward. But just to do it. So bold faced like that was just a smack in the face to everybody. I mean, he says it was just media types that are the only ones that are talking about breaking up Damon CJ. I've talked to plenty of people around the league, players and executives, scouts and coaches that have all said they didn't need to break that up. It's not just media mm-hmm. types. It's not just hashtag blog boys that are talking about this. This is a pretty common discussion anytime I mention the Blazers outside of the Portland market.
1: I mean, you got to think he googles this stuff every once in a while, right? I mean, just, he's
0: he's just, more plugged just to in than just about anybody. So he knows what he's saying. It's just he has to he has to stay on brand because that's the company line and that's what they have to say. Because if and it's not just unique to him. Find me a single GM that's ever going to say that we made a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's that's not their job. But does not make it? I think there are better ways to sell that than to basically say that nobody's ever said this, and that's a, that it's a uh, that it's out of bounds to even mention that somebody has thought this idea. Like, how dare you? And that's how it came across, and I I really really didn't like it. Well, so
1: you know, a couple things to say on that. Um, like I said, um you know he, he said, "You know where all where all these people who wanted sweeping changes ten days ago." You're absolutely right. You've been talking about it for three years. Many people have been talking about it for two years. Even more people have been talk. we talking about it all through this whole season. It's um, kind of shocking if he actually really was wondering where all these people were ten days ago. I mean. The, the one thing that I could say that he might have possibly meant is, again, back to the ebb and flow nature of this podcast and of this year. You know, there was a time in December where everybody thought everything was terrible, and then we had this 13-game winning streak. There was a time in December where people were talking about firing Stotts, and then there was a time where you know he was in the Coach of the Year talk. So if Olshay was talking about just in the immediate 10 days before, of course that would have been in the middle of them losing their last four out of five games. Four of five games. Yeah. If he, if he said a month ago, you know, that might've made sense because a month ago, everybody was like on this, you know, crest of feeling good about everything. And people were like, Oh my gosh, maybe everything is all right after all. So like the only way that I could see that that would have made sense for him to say is if he was just speaking about that really specific moment in time, when everybody was on a high because the Blazers were on a 13-game winning streak, at that point, people were not complaining about making sweeping changes. At that point, people were like, oh, mm, not everybody, but a lot of people were like, oh, well, maybe this could work after all. The other, um,
0: the other but, point that I wanted to touch on here quick, because you, you, you kind of danced around it here, made it easier for me at least. St- Shea said that... I'm not going to make decisions, and this franchise is going to make decisions off the four games here, but instead the 82 games that we just saw. Okay, okay, I, I I can go with that. I can can see that how you would use that reasoning. But let's take that 13-game winning streak out of the season. This team's 36 and 33. How are you evaluating Mm -hmm. that team? A team that's at or just slightly above 500.
1: Or if they'd let's say if they'd won half of the games in the winning streak, if you had, if didn't don't just take out thirteen games, but give them back you know half of them, right?
0: So you're slightly above five hundred. Yeah. So you're, you're what forty three and forty one or forty three and thirty
1: uh, nine. You're 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 in sweeping changes te- uh, territory.
0: I mean, aren't you there? Like, and he said that were they're basically in purgatory. Well, if they had had that many wins, you know where they wouldn't be right now? hmm The playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, which is it?
1: I mean, it's... It's it's so... It's hard. I mean, because his job is to try and You hate and conflict sell. so
0: much, so it's so hard for you to just, like, <laughs> to dice this up. Yeah, I want a face plant in it. It's just... <sighs>
1: I want well, to I, 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 I want to see where he's coming from, and I don't want to just make blanket statements about people who believe him because on the one hand it's his job to convince us of all these things mm-hmm. but on the other hand it's our responsibility to be critical about yep. the things that we're being told depending on how much time you have to devote to the trailblazers i devote way more time than i probably should to thinking about the trailblazers you know i have the luxury of being able to like look critically at things like that but a lot of people don't spend as much time on it as we do and so they have to pick and choose you know what You know what's going to what's going to get get in, but what I've seen over the last year is more and more people being skeptical about the direction of this team, even despite the fact that they've had a good year. Um, In the last ten days, or over the (laughs) over the whole season, (laughs) I think people are starting to really understand what uh, what you and others mean by Dame and CJ need help. Dame needs help, right? He he's got role players around him, but you can't have a team of just role players. There
0: needs to be uh, a bridge between the top level talent and the secondary, tertiary contributors. And right now, there's mm-hmm. no bridge. Like I, I, going into these playoffs, I thought Nurkic could be that guy. I mean, if you're looking, yeah, for me, I did too. if you're looking for the guy that I thought that I found to be the most disappointing, it was Nurkic. Really? And, I, and I think. And we, we, we didn't even touch on this. Nurkic's press conference was awkward. Like you could tell, yeah. it was just. What about it?
1: Did you think it was awkward? The
0: I want to be here, For people who but didn't it's, see it. Maybe. Yeah, so Nurkic said that you know, hey, I, I like it here. I want to be here, but it, I think he let a little bit of his emotion show. And I think that's Nurkic in general. He kind of wears it on his sleeve. Yeah. Um, there was some uneasiness about his return. At least that was the take mm-hmm. that I got from it, where a month ago it was unquestioned. Yeah. And, that's, and I think that, if nothing else, shows you that changes are probably coming and needed. Because if the guy that was supposed to be the guy is unsure or uneasy about his position, where he sits, and the players on the team, Evan Turner and Maurice Harkless have mentioned this now, are saying that changes need to be made whether schematically or um, play style or knowing their roles, um, then changes probably need to be made. I mean, other than a player coming out and saying, you need to make a move, which I think Damian Lillard did with Paul Allen a couple months ago, <laughs> um, it doesn't get much more you know straightforward than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think the next month to six weeks is going to be huge for Portland, whether that doesn't necessarily mean they're making moves. It bec- it could be their lack of moves.
1: I'm, av- I'm afraid that they're not going to make any moves. And what I'm worried about is just stagnation and for, and it just getting kind of being like, Oh, the same thing again. Like, I mean, Damien had another gear this year. Do you think he's going to have another one? Is somebody going to have that big of a gear? He's I got mean, probably I can... two
0: years of superlative Dame in him. Yeah. Just absolutely insane. Then he's going to get older, and the wear yeah. and tear of the NBA is going to fall. And I, I, I can't say it with certainty. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, predictive styling here. Uh, yeah. Could he be like LeBron and, and get better with age? Sure. Was the, the likelihood of that very high? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... I mean, I could have a lot of
1: fun watching Ed Davis and Al Farouk Aminu, but <laughs>
0: that's, that only goes so far. That, that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the secondary rewards, though, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. They're like who you turn to when nothing else is going right. you just go, at least those guys are solid.
0: <laughs> yeah, and... I hate to use this word and, and Olshe used it himself but obviously in a, in a different manner than I'm using it right now but the Blazers could find themselves very quickly in NBA purgatory whether they make <laughs> moves that make things and, and here's the thing I, I've been a, a, a proponent for changes and making moves but if you make the wrong moves and I think that's a genuine fear not just for the Blazers but around the NBA Mm-hmm. The status quo will always be the status quo. Like, if you don't mess with it, then you know what you're getting. The unknown can be scary because of, you know, things could actually get worse. Yeah. And making changes just for the sake of making changes is never going to work. And I don't think Neil O'Shea is going to do that just to satisfy some. Weird desire from the fan base or from players, uh, they need to be the right changes, and that's why I think this is going to be a really strange, awkward, tense <laughs> off season. And uh-huh. it's probably going to happen pretty quick, so we'll have plenty of time. I
1: hope it, it comes quickly because I don't want July one seems like a really long ways away. <laughs> Oh god. It'll be interesting. To, to, it'll be interesting to see what happens. A lot is going to happen between now and then. Other other teams still have
0: uh Other teams still need to, to get swept. Oh wait, nobody else is getting no, swept.
1: Not in this round.
0: We <sighs> Blazers
1: are going to have the the distinction of being the only team that got swept in the first round. Yeah, it's a bit rough. We'll always be remembered for that, Dan. Find the positive, self- Always lining. remember your
0: first. There you go. God. <laughs>
1: Okay, we should, we should be wrapping it up. Do you have other things that you want to say about the
0: exit interviews? No. I, outside of, of Olshay, I think it was very standard, normal stuff. Um, I, not, there was nothing groundbreaking. I think the most groundbreaking stuff honestly came from probably Nurkic. Um, so you got obviously a little bit of honesty out of Evan Turner and Damian Lillard. Um, Zach Collins looked good. Uh, as far as being a professional and, and handling things the right way, for media day or for exit interviews. Um, beyond that, it was pretty much same old, same old. Uh, it's kind of a bummer because the reason they do these interviews is because everybody's kind of skipping town. There's a few guys that are staying in town, which I think is cool. Um, oh, it
1: sounded like oh, quite a few of them are.
0: Nurkic is staying in town. Nurkic is going to go back to to Bosnia. Well, Nurkic is going to go back to Bosnia and do it and train with his guys like he did last year. But he's going to be spending time here as well. Um, But obviously, the season's over. Nurkic is now a free agent. The Blazers themselves can't have contact with him until he's uh, officially signed. So... So that, that's they
1: can't have is it just with his, their restricted free agents they can't have contact with or the or free agents in general Nobody. Like they can't talk to Ed now either. Yep. Cuz he's completely
0: once once they have complete. their final meetings, I believe they have got a little more time. I think they they have the end of the NBA season, but a lot of these guys they they take vacations. Yeah. So I mean
1: they, I think it is so funny that they told um evan turner to watch his weight
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, just like, maybe don't That's get so quite weird. as quite as thick as you did last summer evan. i
1: don't. i just i just love how he can move people around with that backside i don't want him to lose, lose too much of it he needs to keep some of that you know what he moves I, guys around with I, that
0: if there's one thing that, that evan and turner and i have in common is that i don't think either one of us is ever going to lose our backside <laughs> That's, oh, me Evan Turner and uh Yabu Salei. I think we are we're, we're all going to be stuck in that uh, particular situation until we're 6 feet under.
1: <laughs> and Noah Vonley, don't and, forget oh, yes. Noah.
0: And Noah Vonley. He's also a member of the Badunkadunk club.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask you this every podcast from here until you quit on me. <laughs> I'm done. what is one thing that you um could take away from this year that you enjoyed mm. that on the blazers
0: mm. about the blazers oh, you had to throw that about
1: the that blazer season
0: there
1: yeah because i know that your boy donovan mitchell is still playing yeah. what's one thing that you could take away from this blazer season that makes you happy
0: the i'm, I'm cheating because i use this one already for the for the write-up um Damian Lillard elevating his game. I didn't think he had this level. And again, I know it sounds crazy considering what just happened in the playoffs. Especially after the playoffs. It's so weird. But he was so spectacular this season. The, The Trailblazers haven't had a player of his caliber, of his production, since Clyde. I mean, he's elevated himself. And this this hurts me probably to say probably more than anything, I think he's passed Brandon Roy in Blazers, in Blazers lore, in Blazers history. And I don't know if that's necessarily for me. I don't know if that's entirely true yet, but I think for the franchise and, and as a whole and that that's pretty cool. To say that well, he's, and he really has that possibility
1: that because of his longevity. Yeah, unfortunately, we just Brandon Rose is never going to have that. So more, more kids are going to remember Damian Lillard. You know, growing up watching the Blazers and Damian Lillard.
0: How about you? you? Know. Where, where do you fall here?
1: Okay, here's what I'm going to say this week because I have a lot of things and I could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks talking about things that I enjoyed yeah, this about the season. This is the this only season.
0: time we're doing this. <laughs> no way. So get him in. So.
1: This year, I don't know if you knew this, but this year, uh, Yusuf Nurkic was 63 out of 67 on dunks. He had a 94% uh, success rate on his dunks. I felt and loved
0: and just took a little bit of happiness away from every one of those dunks. The one dunk he missed, was that the one that Giannis got or the one that LeBron got? He missed four dunks all year. Oh, I thought you said he missed one. Okay. So, no, he missed. So, four dunks. Giannis he, got he was one. 63 of 67. Okay, 63 of 67. I thought you said 66. Okay, so LeBron no, got sorry. one. Giannis got one. I think AD got one. I'm not sure about the other one, but that's a pretty decent list of guys to have your shot blocked by. Ugh. Right. I, I, lo- you know,
1: I love dunks, and you know how rare it is compared to everything else that, uh, the Nurkic dunks the ball, so um, I'm gonna smile when I think about those dunks. I-, I felt like he was hearing me directly in his ear, screaming
0: "Dunk it!"
1: right in his ear
0: every time. If that's he not did. motivation. I don't know what is.
1: <laughs> so that's my that's my positive. That's my takeaway.
0: All right. Well, Dan,
1: um, you know what? Actually, there's one more positive takeaway oh, from God. this year that I'm gonna say. <sighs> no, it's actually. I have learned so much about basketball this year thanks to you. This oh. has been a real pleasure covering the season. The lies. And I'm not just lies. being cheesy and pandering. Lies. I just pando
0: you want I I've soak learned
1: it up. so much and um <laughs> I appreciate the chance that I got to do this with you that I've had to do this with you this year oh, it's and been I, a fun you year. know I want to keep doing it. It's been a fun. Cuz there's a lot more to learn. Oh, there's always
0: more to learn. Uh, Lord knows I don't know it all. <laughs> Oh my God. Did I just say that out loud? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, it's going to go in my file. Secret is out. Um, it's no, it's going it, to go in
1: my file along with the screen cap that I took uh, last night. of you saying Tara, please save me. Oh yeah.
0: From the, from that the was DM. last game. Yep. Um, yeah. Shout out to Snotty Drippin for daring to say that I said that this team was going to be great and do well and be fantastic. And they were set. He knew better. Um no it yeah, it has been great, Tara, and it's going to be a interesting off season, so we'll have plenty of things to work through. And uh it's been fun having you rein me in from time to time.
1: <laughs> Did my best.
0: Yeah, no, good luck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it's, right, well, Dan...
0: it's, it's been a fun season and hopefully we have many, many more to come. Yeah. Well, with it with that, let's
1: go ahead and wrap See, it up. I, you can I can't find I me. can't give you
0: all the compliments in the world. That's just that that doesn't play. I have to hold it back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I understand. You were great and wonderful, and I have learned so much from you too, Tara. Oh
1: my God did you just get like taken over by a poltergeist?
0: Yeah. <laughs> really Sorry, strange. what'd you say?
1: It was like you said something really nice to me and I don't know what happened there. But oh. thank you anyway. <laughs> Alright, well you can find me on Twitter at TCBBigs you can email us uh, Blazers Edge Pod at gmail.com. We love getting email. Shout out to our friends uh, Dan and Olivia, um, our number one emailers. Or you can uh, email or you can tweet us. Like I said, I'm at TCB Bigs. You can also tweet at Blazers Edge and they'll pass it on to us. Dan, tell folks where they can find you and all of your numerous uh, busy things and platforms that you do.
0: Woohoo! Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Dean the uh, Blazers Outsiders will continue through the offseason on Tuesdays and Thursdays off for the regular rotation. Um, that'll be at 7 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we will change the schedule around, we have some stuff coming up uh, around free agency, around draft time, um, around summer league, and uh, we've got some cool stuff planned for the summertime. so uh, stay tuned if you aren't already, follow uh, Shane Brennan and Joe Simons, Um, (laughs) they're good dudes and uh, they've got some pretty insightful things (laughs) to say, Uh, other than that, I'm going to kind of lay lower for a little bit here, take a a much needed break, um, but uh, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it all. So, thank you, Tara. Thank you to everybody listening for a great year, even though it ended on a bit of a sour note. Uh, but hopefully, we can uh, kind of kickstart this thing uh, pretty quick as we can into the off season. So. Thanks for listening, everybody, not just this week, but all season long. Remember, you can find us on iTunes at Almighty Baller Podcast Network and Radio Network, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, everywhere else for your podcast needs. For Terrible and Biggs, I'm Danny Wren. We'll catch you next time, guys.